This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. I don't know if I want this movie to fail or not. And Willis. That's absurd, but it's also 100% a thing Tom Cruise would do. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. We have made it past the 100 episode mark into a bright new world. Yes. Uh, and we're back again with more movie news Indeed. for everyone. Indeed. Uh, this is Pixel Splitters. <laughs> you uh, haven't noticed. Today, we're going to talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse uh, because it has come out. It is fantastic. And it's cleaning up at the box office, uh, which is something something to talk about. Definitely. Um, also, in a almost kind of same vein, I guess. Yeah. Um. We are going to talk about The Flash and Ezra Miller. Mm-hmm. Now, we debated about talking about this at all because I don't know how much coverage coverage we want to have of Ezra Miller uh, with their history and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I think it's worth talking about. Um, and it's not even so much just Ezra Miller, but The Flash movie in general. Um, and oh, how far we've come from our... <laughs> earlier conversations yes we have and then we're going to wrap it up by talking about the director's guild of america which has come to a tentative deal with the studios avoiding a strike at the same time as the wga some good things from there maybe some bad things from there maybe um it seems the wga is certainly not happy yes but we shall discuss we shall we shall before we do that though uh josh what do you got coming out this week <sighs> Well, the big one coming to theaters this week, June 9th, is Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which uh, I think we're both fairly excited about, you know? Um, yeah. It's kind of been a minute since there was a, well, it's been a long minute since there's been a good Transformers movie, but even a Transformers yeah. movie, it's been a few years now, and I think it the, the series needs a rejuvenation, and yeah. I really hope this is it, because you could make these forever if they're good. I'll go see them every year. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And I was saying to you before the pod, like, I'm happy to see- uh, not Michael Bay. <laughs> Not Michael Bay. And I hope this does really well so it continues to not be Michael Bay. Yes, yes. Even if it's not like the best movie, as long as it does well, you know, and it's it's watchable, I'm kind of here for it. So um, so that's really it for theaters. There's a bunch to check out in theaters, so don't let that sway you. There's nothing but good stuff to check out. Um, but for streaming, for shows, we have The Age of Influence hitting Hulu, uh, on the fifth, we have Destination European Nights hitting Paramount Plus. On the on the sixth, Burden of Proof hitting Max. On the fifth, those were out of order. My bad. Always Sunny. They're season, also in the past. Yes, they're in the past. Always Sunny <laughs> season sixteen. I don't know how that's possible. Still going. <laughs> Hulu and FX on the seventh. Uh, Never have I ever season four coming to Netflix on the eighth. Based on a true story hitting Peacock on the eighth. The Crowded Room hitting Apple TV Plus on the 9th. And then for movies, I just want to shout out a couple of VODs here because Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret hit VOD on the 6th. Avatar The Way of Water hit Disney Plus on the 7th. Um, Flamin' Hot is coming to Hulu and Disney Plus split there on the 9th, which is the Flamin' Hot Cheetos uh, 
bi- you know, biopic. I don't know something. Something. Yeah. You know, we're we're on with our uh, brands as movies. Full stop yep. here. Uh, and then we have Brooklyn 45 coming to Shutter on the 9th as well. So lots to check out this week, theaters or not. And without further ado, let's talk about Spider-Verse for a little bit. Yes. So, as is always the case, it seems, <laughs> uh, you have seen this new box office release and I have not. Yes. So this will be spoiler free. Zero spoilers. Um, no plot. Or I will disown Josh. Yep. Um, but yeah, we uh we had quite the weekend. You want to run us through the numbers here? I do. Um and it's weird because the first Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movie was a success. It wasn't a smash success. This was a risk that the studios took. And this one, you know, obviously the 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 critical and public acclaim of that movie led to this being such a milestone. Um, so for domestic, we had $120 million opening weekend, which is huge for a movie like this. Um, yeah. It is the biggest opening weekend of the... Oh, wait, no, that's not true. It was the biggest opening day of the year uh, behind Super Mario Bros., which is yes interesting. And I'm like, well, <laughs> if those are your two, sure. <laughs> it is what it is. Um and then this weekend, it made $208 million worldwide, which is enormous. And it's kind of outflanking a lot of the other Marvel MCU movies. And it's funny because this is not an MCU movie. This is very yeah. pointedly at the beginning says in association with Marvel, not Marvel yeah, Studios. This is a Sony movie. Yep. Yeah, it's a Sony movie. Full, yeah, definitely. Um, and... This is the third highest grossing first day for a Spider-Man movie ever, which I think is interesting because obviously you have massive tentpole spider-man movies i'm sure no way home is probably number one and then we have mm-hmm. maybe spider-man 2 coming in or even one of the other tom holland movies like those movies just print money because of who's yeah. in them you know and it's i mean spider-man, spider-man is without argue the most dependable and bankable uh, like superhero yeah yeah shown by this we've got a full animated mm-hmm. theatrical release in imax that did gangbusters um and I do also want to say that this movie has stellar reviews across the board, which is deserving. Um, it's just like a feast for the for the soul, really. I was going to say for the eyes, but it's for everything. Um, and it got me thinking, because this did well, Guns, Guardian 3, Gu- Guardians 3 did pretty well. Is it superhero fatigue or is it just bad superhero fatigue? Like, yeah. Because, well, it- like, ah. Uh, I'd go see this every week if they released one, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there is a level to which it is bad superhero fatigue. Yeah. Um, But I think also the Marvel brand, the MCU brand, mm. you know, like the style and the like lightheartedness or whatever is, is a big part of what's gotten old because the things we're seeing do well are the things that deviate from that. It's true. Um, You know, and I think it's it's just a matter of... Like, and even, you know, tune in on, on Sunday for Tuned In, but yeah. we discuss Shazam, uh, Fury of the Gods, and I think that's the same kind of thing. It's in the same style vein that people are just like, yeah. it's also bad, you know. Well, sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's just that's the, something new and, and exciting can be a draw, even if it's still like a superhero story. Exactly. You know. And it's... It, this makes me nervous because 
you know, there's going to be another Spider-Verse movie after this, which will kind of wrap this trilogy up, which also mm. is like, if this might be the best trilogy of all time, like full stop, but regardless, we'll, mm. we'll leave that to be to be seen. Um, but I'm like, I don't want any of this to become a house style for anyone. Not the animation per se, but even the tonality. It's so much more specific than the DCEU or the MCU. And it's like gentle but it feels real like the characters feel grounded in their reality which i'm finding is less and less with these mcu movies where it's just like we're in a reality but i'm not sure which one because everyone seems like they're all tony stark now and i'm Mm -hmm. nervous that the success of this movie could bring on like oh well let's do four spinoffs and we'll do a show and and like i just you know we can do all these things why not just do something novel like this was novel. These three movies, if we never do mm-hmm. another one like this, that would be great. You know, just leave it at yeah. that. I mean, I think there's a level to which like that's somewhat unescapable. I know. Um, that like we'll get knockoffs and, and things like that. Um, I'm trying to think there was one animated movie that came out recently that I was like, this looks a lot like it's trying to be Spider-Verse. Was it Post and um, Boots? It was Puss in Boots. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like scrolling back on the movies. I watched this year and I'm like, none of these. What the hell am I thinking of? Um, but yeah, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, it was like there were hints of this. There was variable frame rate and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's interesting because I don't know that you can like necessarily just easily knock this off. Yeah. There's too much work that goes into this and there's too much of animation stuff that can be done a lot easier true you know like that's i think where puss in boots kind of landed is like they wanted to do some really interesting stuff and they did but also it's you know a lot easier to just do puss in boots the way they've done it before true um and that's all people really want so true um (laughs) so like i think we'll get knockoff kind of stuff that's like has similar elements but i don't think you'll ever really be able to i mean it's art like that's what it you know comes down to it's not like press and repeat uh right kind of stuff we've been getting right did you happen to see the trailer for the new teenage mutant ninja turtles i did yeah that actually might be what i'm thinking of now that because it was i felt like it was more recent than um puss in boots but similar kind of thing i'm on board with the look of that me too um looks like a like true painting which is interesting um so that's gonna be i think pretty cool to watch yeah you know um yeah we'll see i mean we'll see. yeah go see spider-verse it's really freaking good uh and it's you know it deserves all your money it deserves all your money and um and like it's such a breath of fresh air i guess that's what it is because you're going into a superhero movie and you're totally surprised by it and like you're kind of like not there's no part that i was groaning at in every mcu movie in the past like four years there were parts that i'm like just oh and this is just like i almost didn't we didn't want it the theater didn't want it to end we're like let's just roll into beyond the spider verse and keep this train going because we're we're here for it you know which is so different from what it's been but yeah um, yeah speaking of things to not give your money to sure (laughs) um i think we've got Two, three weeks until the long-awaited Flash movie Yeah, I think drops. two and a half weeks, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's coming. Oh, yeah. Despite everything. Yeah. 
so much of this movie, like so much of this movie's history has been questionable. Um, I mean, I remember there were whole things they were, I mean, it used to be called flashpoint. Um, right. But there was like, they were going to scrap it when justice league didn't do well, Mm -hmm. but then it was like revitalized kind of with Zack Snyder's justice league. I mean, then there's all of the shit with Ezra Miller Mm-hmm. and how fucked up their history has been and like and then they're scrapping you know batgirl yeah no yes yes batgirl. yes um they're scrapping batgirl movie. taking massive write downs on stuff um yeah you know let's talk about recasting and cutting ezra miller out of the movie and like reshooting it and like all that kind of stuff so it has been steeped in controversy but somehow it's here and people are ha- are saying rave reviews about it. People are saying really good things which about is it. So weird. Which is, I don't know how to handle. Like like Tom Cruise, like people that are just like have nothing to do with the movie are just like this yeah. is the best movie I've seen in decades. It's like one, you're overstating yourself because no way is yeah. that true, no matter what. Two, like is that just to get people into theaters? Yeah. I like I don't that would be hilarious if Tom Cruise is just going on record so people go back to theaters and like people everyone's like it's just it's just a massive conspiracy if everyone's really hyped about going to theaters for Flash right. then Mission Impossible 7 will do better it's just gonna do better because people are ready that's absurd but it's also 100% a thing Tom Cruise would do oh yeah yeah he's yeah. um <laughs> it's so bizarre because I'm like Oh, and the other thing to mention is there's talks of a Flash 2. Starring Miller. Starring Ezra Miller, um, which we thought this was all toast. You know, we thought James Gunn was cleaning house. It seems really weird to pull some things from the DCEU through. Mm-hmm. But also he's the boss, so I guess like whatever. Sure, he can do what he wants. Um, yeah. Warner Brothers is only doing... This deserves more of an intro than I've just given it. But Warner Brothers is only doing one premiere. Yes. Usually they'll do like the world premiere and then they'll have like a premiere in New York and a premiere in London and blah, 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 blah. But they're only doing one in efforts to preserve a secret ending, which... The screenings that are out right now that have happened already have a blurred out ending. Like straight up. That's what I've read. There's just like, you don't know what's happening. And I'm like, what could this possibly be that is worth all of this? What like what secrecy really is there? Unless it's like Christian Bale. Is unless Batman. it's huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be it. That would but I was gonna say, unless it's a recasting of Ezra Miller. <sighs> you know. I mean, I kind of feel like and so we're not going to run through all of the things that Ezra Miller has allegedly done or said or or whatever. Yeah. Look it up. There's a laundry list of things. It's kind of crazy. It's um, not great. It's really, really not great. But regardless of what people say about the movie, good or bad, the press around this and Miller not having really any repercussions for all of these things that you know they have done is is leaving a really sour taste in a lot of people's mouth, myself included, because you're sitting yeah. here and you're like, movies, movie stars have gotten the can for far yeah. less than what is happening here. 
And all that we can say is Miller is just not going to attend the red carpet or whatever, you know, like things like that. Well, he's going to attend the red carpet, but for photos only, he's not allowed to talk to press sure. or give interviews. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which, which makes like, sense. Cause like makes sense. Like he's kind of an insane person. Um, yeah. And like would, you know, Who I don't want him on an open mic. <laughs> Loose cannon. Um, yeah. Which, honestly, in my head, like, I kind of buy the idea that the ending is recasting Ezra Miller. That would kind of be great. Because that would be, yeah, that would be something else if it was, like, then I'm on board with The Flash 2. Sure. Uh, But then, like, yeah, you don't want people to see. Right. And you don't want Ezra Miller to talk to anybody. Right. Because he's going to flip his shit. Right. Right. And, and conspiracy theories, you heard it here first on Pixel Splitters. Exactly. Y'all. Speculating wildly as always. And maybe all of the rest of the stuff is kind of a misdirect, like like Andy Machete kind of saying, been going on record saying that, you know, he does not want to recast Ezra and no one yeah. has been better than they have been in this role. Like it seems overstate, like going being out in front yeah. of your skis a little bit. It's like, why are we going so hard for this except for this can't fail because it'll be a $300 bl- $300 million yeah. blunder, you know? Yeah. Because Lord knows this movie cost a lot of money with the reshoots. Mm-hmm. I mean, like... The endless. The endless. Well, and that was the whole thing, too, is like they reshot huge parts of it. Yeah. That we were like, what's happening? Yeah. I remember, like, they reshot a bunch of stuff with Ben Affleck. Right as Batman and the rumor then was that Michael Keaton had a much bigger role and they recut it all to like deal with shit. And I don't know. It's wild. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Are you going to see this movie in theaters? I am. I am. I, um, I don't know how to get around it. It's one of those things. It's like, I just, I can't not see this movie. Unfortunately, I just can't. (laughs) And it's one of those things. I almost don't like the whole, mystery surrounding it because it almost guarantees more so that like my youtube front page is gonna flood with like you know see grant gustin take over as the flash (laughs) or whatever um oh yeah night one you know twitter is gonna be a nightmare i've been getting a ton of those for spider-verse right now and i'm like oh yeah yeah like you do not want yeah (laughs) um so i don't know i i I uh, I don't want to see this in theaters, but I feel like it. I should. I really don't either. Because like Shazam and Ant-Man Quantumania and stuff like that does still f- like they're pushing this as like the higher tier of like superhero movies. Right. Right. You know, which I don't know if it is, but they definitely don't push like there's way more push on this than there was for Shazam 2 totally and you know what else that's in their favor is that we've had two really good comic book movies come out this year with Guardians and with Spider-Man from two different studios and it's like people are almost maybe forgetting about some of that fatigue and I think Mm -hmm. your average audience who might maybe doesn't care that much about what Miller has done or doesn't read the tabloids yeah might just be like, oh, I saw Spider-Verse, I saw Guardians, let's keep it rolling, like, let's go see this movie. Um, And I can't fault them for that, except for, like, I don't know if I want this movie to fail or not. Like, it's so crazy to me, because I'm also like, I don't want Miller to have the spotlight, but 
he's one person and 300 other people worked really hard to make this movie happen. And like, can you just blanket statement say like, Oh, we don't want this to, to work. I, I don't know. It's a, it's kind of like, you don't have a right answer there. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre. And it like the whole idea of flash two goes against like what we were saying with James Gunn, just bailing out. And yeah. I, I don't know. I like I'm so conflicted about this in in inside and it's like that's stupid because it's a fucking flash movie. <laughs> I know this is the one like, you're, you're having a yeah. Um but I don't know. That's how and it goes. And the thing that sucks is it does look good it from does. the previews and the trailers and stuff like It does. It looks a step above what we've been getting, which I'm like Yeah. Why of all movies? Yeah. Like why is it this one? Like I don't understand. Well, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Should we talk about um, Hollywood studios pouring money into something else? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. I bet uh, you so, Andy Muschietti is a DGA member. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's better. <laughs> so on Sunday, on Sunday night, uh, the Directors Guild of America reached a tentative deal with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, mm-hmm. a la the studios, to avert a strike um, and get a three-year contract on the books. Uh, this is tentative, so it's not signed yet. Uh, I believe right. they still have to vote on it. Yep. Um, but um, it looks like we won't have Triple a threat. double strike on our hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we may still. The, the SAG-AFTRA has still to vote uh, i believe that happened just post the recording of this podcast so we may know now but yeah i think that the I vote might have started that, might on wednesday but like they don't yeah. i think that the the outcome isn't till the 30th of june from what i read but regard regardless that yes. still is potential has potential to go to a strike um yeah but not the dga well yeah. not yet which they haven't signed, but like it looks pretty yeah. good. Well, no, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. Like it's, I think we're there. Totally. Um, if they can get to a tentative deal and then they trip, that's just people being bad at their jobs. Yeah, that's just yeah. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> but um, so the let's run through what the DGA landed here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, one there was definitely pace pay hikes and better yes. residuals for. All members um, in residuals, meaning increased global streaming residuals, which doesn't quite get to the heart of the problem. Yeah. It just means they're getting more than they were. <laughs> yeah. It's like your standard, like yearly pay raise kind of thing of like, here's your 2% or your 1% extra, I think, as it is. Right. Uh, or no, I guess it's a 5%. So three year contract, 5% increase the first year. Um, Four percent the following and three point five the following. So right. like, yeah, right. Um, the other thing, uh, it was there was a bit of a, a bit I I will say of a resolution on AI. Mm-hmm. There is language in this tentative contract that says AI is not a person and that generative AI cannot replace the duties performed by members. Yes. So you can't just hire. An AI you, to do something. You can't have Chat GPT do your do your job for you. 
Yeah. Now, this is an interesting breakdown in that I think AI is less of a threat to directors than it is to writers. Totally. And even actors. You know, it's, <laughs> and even actors. Yeah. Like it's a big undertaking to say, I'm going to give something to an AI and they are going to direct a movie. Right. Yeah. I don't know how um, that would happen. So, you know, um, AMPTP might be a little more willing to uh, grant some AI language. Mm -hmm. um, but the interesting thing with this is that there's like kind of precedent now. Yeah. Like the WGA can be like, well, you said it here. So why not here? Um, totally. Totally. I don't know. The AI thing is um, is going to be a, a contentious sticking point, I think. Um, I mean, it already is, but like it is, but it's also like ever evolving at this point in time. So like they need to be very particular about what language is used in these contracts to make it stick for more than like, who know, like thing, yeah, things change daily now with technology. Yeah. So well, and ugh. think in three years when this contract is oh, up, dude, yeah, like where we're going to be compared to the six months we were where we were six months ago. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the DGA is is well on their way to a deal. Uh, and the WGA, not so happy about it. No. <laughs> like at all. Um, yeah. There's calls for solidarity. There's calls for, of like, bullshit. Um, there's people saying it doesn't matter at all. There's people saying, like, well, now we're screwed. Right. Um, right. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on with the DGA, and that is I I think it's hard to sit, hard to argue that it won't affect the WGA. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Um, well, and a big reasoning, and I'm not part of either union, so I don't have a leg to stand on here. And what I'm just regurgitating what I've read, but a lot of people are saying that. Basically, the fact that the WGA was currently striking and have been striking for a number of weeks gave the DGA more leverage than they would have had otherwise because, like, even with SAG-AFTRA being, you know, having the authorization yeah. to strike, that's that's a leveraging chip. And, you know, I think the studios are so much more willing to even give in to the smallest of demands for these. And with the DGA, like it seems like they kind of went after some small potatoes here with the demands. And it's like, you know, it would have benefited everyone had you held out a little bit longer to show that like, no, this is not good enough. Yeah. You know, and not just saying, well, you know, it's fine. We all need to get back yeah. to work. Like we all need to get, we know that. But the fact of the matter is it's not, it doesn't do anyone any good to just rectify this immediately if you aren't getting exactly what you want and rolling over and yeah. saying like, meh, give it three more years. We'll, we'll fix well, it and next it, time. It really, only, <laughs> it really only helps uh, the studios. Right. You know, the idea that they have a contract and the writers don't. Right. Like paints the picture of like writers being selfish. Yeah. And writers being like greedy, sticklers for stuff yeah. and greedy. Yeah. Like it's it's not good optics in terms of like the unions. Right. Um, and it also like, you know, takes away some of the pressure from the studios to say, holy crap, we have two or three unions on strike at the same time. Like let's, you know, 
it, it's a, it's, it sucks because it's an easier position for the studios to be in. Um, right. And a harder one for the WGA, which is just kind of like a, I don't know. I want to say like good on you, DGA, like get the deal you want. It seems like they didn't really have the best uh, way to go about it. Yeah. You know, I don't really say congratulations to them. Like, you know, you kind of screwed your, your coworkers. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, uh, and a lot of the writer. So there still has to be a vote on this deal. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the writer director slash people um, who are in both unions mm-hmm. are saying hell no. Sure. <laughs> to this, to this. So we may not, it may not come through. I mean, the, you know, they, there's still the vote to go, but right it's tough. It's tough to say. And it, it's puts more pressure on SAG after to see what they're going to do. Um, exactly. And that's what I was going to say the same thing. It's like this, it now kind of comes down, not a hundred percent to SAG, but if they can come to a, you know, an agreement on a contract in like a matter of weeks, like the DGA did. Yeah. It puts the WGA in a really, really not good spot. Um, which is just unfortunate because like really one of the main things is streaming with all of these different unions Mm -hmm. and the fact that streaming and residual pay, it just isn't a thing anymore because you, you get residuals based off of numbers, based off of how well a show is doing, how many times it's rerun, but the streamers refuse to give numbers over. And that's one of the sticking points because you don't have a metric to go off of. Like how well is the show doing? We don't really know. So how can you come to an agreement on residuals if you don't even know what the residuals are going to be? Like I don't, that's where I'm like the DGA. What did you do? You just got a a general bump and you're good. Yeah. Like what is that? Yeah. (laughs) There needs to be some kind of a like, like, do you not want like more of a, (laughs) reward if your show becomes the next stranger things right right it benefits literally everyone involved because residuals are one of the only and that was another thing it's like not all of these things are like extended to every single union like some of the things in the actors guild that have nothing to do with the wga and those contracts are different residuals is one of those things that spans every single one of them and for some yeah, reason that like, you 100 percent could have just like <laughs> you could have just been like stood, nah. stood your ground a little bit more yeah and i'm like ah, i know we all, you all want to get back to work but like if it's still not fair and people still can't afford rent like then what it was it all for in the beginning like what yeah you know it's for the you know making things fair <laughs> yeah it's weird it's a weird spot for everyone to be in and you know we talked about ai things move fast technology is moving so fast and if we don't keep up like people are just going to get taken advantage of because it's all about capital it's not about good bad it's about making money in the end and we as artists are allowed to do what we do because other people are making tons of money yeah that's the only reason which is unfortunate and it's interesting because i kind of do feel like (sighs) to a small degree we've talked a lot about the two different tiers of movies that are existing these days you Mm -hmm. know the big popcorn and the the smaller stuff the smaller stuff the more artistic auteur stuff is becoming more profitable yeah i feel like you know the the indie world is growing you know i'm sure there are those who would 
who would debate me on that, but is growing and is becoming bigger. So like that unique stuff that needs the artistic touch that AI is never going to really be able to produce. Right. You know, um, or to the point that those directing in AI will never be able to accurately like describe enough to get it delivered. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, um, that's the big thing I always land on with, with AI is like clients who, can't describe with any words what they want <laughs> and they're know. like i'm like all right like your ai is not coming for my job if you can't tell me what color you right want you don't be. know what you want you um, want me to do it yeah. for you yeah <laughs> um but like i don't know i've lost my through line now because i started talking about clients but you know it's one of those things that just the the ai stuff like the the higher quality more artistic stuff is just going to get more desirable because we are going through so much superhero fatigue for generic stuff. Like, right. Give me the unique, give me the, the artistic. And that's, you know, that's why it's worth holding out for the streaming dollars. Right. Because it's going to get more in demand and you want to be properly compensated for that. Exactly. As does everyone. <laughs> now do you think there's a way that we can get around this like lack of data like the streaming numbers you mean yeah i mean i don't really know unless the streamers are willing to just bump up the numbers to a way to a to a degree that it just doesn't matter you know, and yeah. saying like, you know, this is what our, our bottom line is. This is what we've made. Here's what we can give you. And if like a show is super popular, regardless of how many people viewed it, they they give you X amount more money. But like you still need some kind of a metric. You to need base some metric. Yeah. So that's my thing that I'm kind of sitting here like. Are we and by we, I mean the WGA of which I am not a member, but like <laughs> we as the industry like fighting to preserve a cost structure that's just not gonna work anymore like netflix and disney and like hulu and max and are under absolutely no obligation to give us any information totally on their streaming numbers totally like you know the box office was always a great metric because it was mostly public it could be discerned just through analysis etc cetera, etc cetera. Right. um but like like we're never gonna get netflix to give us a number of viewed like hours viewed of anything that we can trust in any accuracy because they're under no obligation to and why would they so like totally. is spice our like by seeking residuals for a show based on its popularity, mm -hmm. like, is that just the way to go? Is that just the wrong way to go about it? I mean, it might be, but then what do you go after? That's my question. I'm like, is there, is there another metric in any capacity that we can like, do you just pay people higher to begin with and leave it at that and just say, Hey, you get X amount for this show, good or bad. Well, yeah convince the accountants at netflix for that of that i mean i know but like that's the well, only it's, other thing the thing i'm landing at is almost like we need some kind of like clout metric sure you know on like i mean i'm sure there is a big data thing that could be pulled of like 
you know, impact on social media, impact here, impact there, impact that, you know. This many people use the hashtag Stranger Things. That's yeah, how we go like, off of it. <laughs> yeah, but like that also requires all of that information to be able to be given to us, you know, unbiased, which Elon Musk is under under no obligation to do. Exactly. So like, it's weird because it's like there's just that metric that we don't have anymore. Right. Like residuals are like kind of something that I don't see being a like feasible metric in the future. Yeah. You know? Um, right. I'm like trying to come up with a good comparison here of like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, what's something else that's completely another. Well, it could be like album sales versus like out like times streamed on like a yeah a music because like we that's how they do it they do residuals and the residuals yeah. are fucking terrible and there is no union i guess to fight for that yeah. for music well and also like spotify releases that information or not releases but like it's public you know, yeah yeah they'll tell you like how many streams you got right exactly because that's what's based off of um, right which means people's music is getting heard more but you're yeah. making less money, which is the same thing with streaming. More people might be seeing these more obscure shows, but you're making less money. So is it worth it? And maybe people just, I mean, does it become something where TV is just not viable <laughs> for these well, people? Well, I mean, that's the thing is like, it's, you know, well, that's the thing is like, it does it. At what point do we cross the line between like, not viable to like make money and whatnot versus like the amount of attention it can get to bring people to a platform right or, or a subscription base or like all that kind of stuff. Cause like in order for Netflix to stay afloat, it needs new content. Well, it needs content. It needs content. Yeah. Um, and like in order to get content, it needs to pay for content to be made. Right. However many, you know, steps of iterations you want to go through that. So like, their whole thing is based on wanting to have content. Right. Um, which is why I'm like, yeah, you need the WGA studios. Like, you can't just, like, bail out on this. Right. But, like, I also feel like the WGA is, like, like, we need a bigger course correct than this, if, if that makes sense. Totally. Which is, I think, insane because we're having, like, a pretty standard course correct and even, I'd say, like, a minor course correct. And, like... To do that, it's taken them striking for weeks. Right. So, like, I don't think we're getting some, I don't think, you know, in two years or five years or whenever their new deal that they end up getting, whenever, like, comes up, like, we're going to just be like, well, let's fundamentally change how writing contracts work. Right. Right. You know. Um, yeah. Does that all make sense? I feel like I'm no. like off in the I was on, distance here somewhere. <laughs> I, was, I was on your thread with you. Um, yeah. No, I agree. And it's like, I think everyone's in kind of like that hard spot where there is not really a good answer. And even though I'm not on the studio side, I'm kind of like, well, what should they do? Like you said, like, what should yeah. they do? Because it's not the studios that aren't releasing the numbers necessarily. Like it kind of is in some regard, but it's like, yeah. Even if you did that, they're never gonna like residuals are would be insane today. Like compared to yeah. what they were with reruns, because of the amount of people that are rewatching Friends just on a loop on their TV yeah. in the living room all day. 
like without even watching it, you know? So it's like that isn't even viable, but I wonder also if like it's time. you, you got to pay these people time. I wonder if it's a license contract. So like, so say I'm a, say I'm a writer mm-hmm. or say I'm a director or producer, whatever. Um, and I'm making a film that Netflix wants to stream. Mm-hmm. Does it become a question of, and this doesn't even, well, maybe does it become a question of how, in how much perpetuity does Netflix want this show? Mm. Because if Netflix is making something like a stranger things that they're like, this is going to be our top tier mainstream show. Mm-hmm. The producers, directors, writers can argue for like a longer but higher paid like contract for like, yeah, part of my contract can be you can like use my likeness, or use my writing um, on your platform for up to five years. Mm. You know what I mean? But having it for five years is more expensive per year or whatever. Right than if you were going to put something on for one year see but even then when it comes up when at the when we get to the end of the five years at the end of the one year it has to, it becomes a conversation about how popular it was and that requires a metric that requires like them saying this is how yeah. popular it was i mean we've never been in this position before yeah we being the unions and like <laughs> us hypothesizing about it on our podcast is like we're not gonna find the answer no, there are no much greater minds at work yes. <laughs> than ours on this that are working through a contract um, as we speak um, yeah but yeah i don't i really don't know I, I don't know if there is an answer to this question and, and if there's an answer to this issue like what do you yeah what do you do they, there's there's kind of a lose-lose on both sides here and um and I think that the whole industry kind of needs to pivot. I just don't know to where, you know? Yeah. Because residuals, I yeah. mean, they don't really exist now. Yeah. So. Especially, like, yeah, and you can't just have residuals that are, that go on forever. Exactly. You know? Right. Like, the Stranger Thing kids are just riding their Stranger Thing for the rest of their Forever, lives. yeah, yeah. Which, like, I say that, but I guess, like, the Friends cast is still riding their Friends residuals, you know? It's true. Um, yeah but now what are they doing i mean friends is still rerun well no they're still getting yeah they're still getting um oh hold on that's crazy just passive income but it's like millions of dollars yeah, a year. so <laughs> the wall street journal so in terms of friends and max when hbo bought friends uh they paid four hundred and twenty-five million to carry the series for five years. Mm. Four hundred twenty-five million, which is also like one of the biggest like purchases of that kind of stuff of all time, right? Um, and they made their like reunion thing and whatnot, but um, wow, I mean, it paid off for them. It definitely paid off for them. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and it's weird because it like. Friends is a known quantity that they can say like, look, we've been doing this kind of number for 20 years. Right. You know? um, right. But like there, like there's your five years kind of. So, but like, and a lot of that I believe went to the cast is where I was going with that. Sure. Sure. Like a lot of it was residuals for the cast. Right. Um, which like, it's so wild that like 
none of the friends cast has ever had to really pay for anything <laughs> like again I know. it's all everything they've done since has just been pure like yeah let's try this, this is what i want to do yeah, yeah 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 most of it doesn't work for any of them but like yeah whatever it doesn't matter yeah like, you're still getting paid a lot regardless we'll never be broke yeah yeah I don't know. I mean, I think that it just needs to, there needs to be a big like change in mindset with the the film yeah. industry. Um, and I just don't know what that's going to be because streaming. <laughs> yeah. Well, I and like, here's the thing is we have gotten to streaming. We've gotten to this point in streaming years after streaming started. I know. So, long. you know what I mean? So we've gotten to this point where it's like hitting ahead where it's like everyone's kind of going, we have to figure out. Right. What we're doing here, because this is not going to go away. Right. You know. Right. And cable is not not what yeah. it was once was. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. There we go. Uh, no end in sight for the WGA. Nope. Um, power to them. Definitely. Uh, hold out. Don't let the DGA get you down. Nope. Um, but also, I guess, good on you for the DGA. I, I know some great directors out there. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll check in with this next week. I think just to yeah see let you where, know how everything shook out. See yeah. where everything's at. Because um, maybe you're you're listening to this and the DGA has been like, hell no, we won't go. Right. And they're down on the picket lines. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, probably not, but who knows? I hope not. That would be bad for this podcast. Um. Uh, that'll bring us home. It will. I think. It will. Let's uh let's get over to our recommendations. Yes. Um, so our prompt. This week, uh, in keeping with the uh, Writers Guild, yes, um, we're making a recommendation of a movie with a great script. Yes, which there is no shortage of, and they were all written by people. It's true, not by a fucking computer. Just let that be known. It's true. It's um, true. And I'm trying to figure out where my movie is streaming, but it says on all platforms, and that's not true. <laughs> um, it says Netflix, Hulu, and Max, which I know is not true. Uh, maybe it is. Whatever. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to? Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. Um, I'm gonna recommend a movie that I surprised has not come up between the two of us. Uh, and is written and directed by one Dan Gilroy, and that is a movie called Nightcrawler. Ah, starring our guy Jake Gyllenhaal as a guy who is just a straight up weirdo. <laughs> that is a movie, and has a and it's such a well written movie too. Um, about a, a guy who basically takes up being one of those first responder, quote unquote, first at the scene recording, like video recording, mm-hmm. to sell to news organizations of horrendous accidents you know break-ins burglary whatever whatever is there that could break news he wants to be the first on the scene because he gets to make money and really it's not necessarily about that it's about his control and power and having this macabre fascination with awful things and being able to record them it is a wonderful wonderfully messed up and twisted movie with maybe my favorite jake gyllenhaal performance of all time um Mm -hmm. it's really really incredible um and the movie itself is just constructed so well and everything about it like the story is compelling but it kind of drags you along because you're with Jake Gyllenhaal and you're with him through this entire journey and it just works and by the end like it doesn't necessarily come full circle 
but it just kind of like continues on and is with this like it just it just works so fucking well um yeah and wait who else is in this movie um riz ahmed is in this movie isn't he yeah yes he's he's his like sidekick dude a fantastic performance by riz ahmed as well and um just just a fantastic movie with an with an incredible script. It's it's super compelling. You almost can't take your eyes off the screen even though horrendous mm-hmm. things are happening and the dialogue between Jake and Riz it's just so like grounded and it feels yeah. real within this and you know having driven around LA I can it just has this feeling to it. Um and the score is amazing and um it's just a great movie. I can't believe we have never really brought Nightcrawler up. It's yeah and it's streaming on max right now so check it out uh and dan gilroy is just a fantastic writer so (laughs) it's interesting because one of the ones i was considering recommending for this uh was um prisoners oh yeah oh yeah um to which i'm like we would have nailed the double feature on that one um (laughs) but i will say um mine is something that um I haven't watched in a while, but I, I just like remember it so, mm. so specifically. Um, and I, it feels like a little bit of a cop out cause it's a big movie, but like, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and recommend the usual suspects. Ooh, that's um, so good. It's weird because so much of the usual suspects script hinges on its twist at the end, which I won't spoil the yeah. suspects for some reason here, but <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, it, it gets you. Everyone talks about that ending. Yeah. Um, and what goes on, but so much of that movie is so incredible. Um, that has nothing to do with, you know, the, the ending, right. Um, the storytelling in it is great. The inner cutting back and forth between, like the heists and the the um, interviews and whatnot mm-hmm. is so well done. Um, and it, I mean, the characters in this are all characters that are like written. There's so much that oh, the yeah. actors that the actors bring to this. You know, I believe um, Benicio del Toro's whole accent was on it was brought by him yeah i think he just um, brought that to set but at the core all of all of it um is just fantastic writing um shout out christopher mcquarrie wait mcquarrie um, wrote mcquarrie that? yeah as in like chris mcquarrie as in top gun maverick as in edge of tomorrow as in mission impossible fallout <laughs> oh, let's go um he's just a good writer <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, and it's weird because it's like he doesn't have a whole lot there. It's like he has the usual suspects in 1995. Mm-hmm. And then 2000, in 2000, he did The Way of the Gun. Mm-hmm. And then he met Tom Cruise on Valkyrie in 2008. And then it's just been like, here comes Tom Cruise, Edge of Tomorrow, Mission Impossible, The Mummy mm-hmm. reboot, oh. the reboot. Um, but like, and then Tom Cruise, like, it's like. It's so weird that his career has just yeah. synced up with uh, Tom Cruise, but when well, he's directing Mission Impossible, yeah, so it's like okay, yeah, <laughs> there right. you go, man, McQuarrie. Um, and he did Jack Reacher too. Yeah, um, wow. he did Rogue Nation too back in the day. Yes, yes, he did. Um, so yeah, he's been he's been doing the Mission Impossibles for a little bit here now. Yeah. But, uh, 
but yeah, I mean, usual shout suspects. out, shout out to usual suspects. A classic. I mean, Brian Singer, you know, it's weird because there are problematic aspects. There are of this there movie are. now in that, like Brian Singer and, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and Kevin Spacey. Spacey. But, um, but still, but still, such a good movie. It's so funny. I'm looking at the IMDb here. I don't remember who Giancarlo Esposito is in this movie. I he, he, like he must have been like a baby. I genuinely not a baby, but like but like younger. Have, I want to like go watch and see young Giancarlo Esposito. Like, yeah, he must have been like when was Do the Right Thing? Because that's like similar time period, I think. And he is mm. young AF in Do the Right Thing. Um, that was eighty nine. So, uh, so a little yeah. later than that, but he still would be young. Six seven years ago, yeah. Oh, jeez. Here we go. I feel like this always happens. Is I want to go just watch my recommendation. I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good recommendation. Then, where where do, you, where do you find it? What's it on? Uh, let me see. Uh, rent or buy. Yeah, but for like three bucks. Well, yeah, sure. But that's, I don't know, that's an odd one to me. I'm like, that to me feels like it should just be on be Max or something. On something. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's um, weird. I guess Tubi's got it, maybe? Ooh. Tubi, Tubi gang, let's go. Free. Weird. <laughs> Free with commercials. Uh, um, it's hilarious. So I'm looking at it on Apple TV mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and they have the listing of like the actors in it but they all have modern photos of themselves and i'm like this is a bunch of old people it is <laughs> it literally is because i mean like even like you know they weren't terribly young <laughs> when they started well that's like, almost 30 years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's wild yeah Jeez. wild so, so yeah there we go <laughs> Still a d- good double feature, yeah. Nightcrawler and Usual Suspects. Yeah, get some weirdos doing weird things. Get some just like dark noir-esque uh, <laughs> yeah. crime movies. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it. That'll bring us home. Uh, we are into the next hundred. Yes. Here we go. The next century um, here. Yeah. Yeah. Past our centennial. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you all had a lot of fun listening to our uh, podcast here. Yeah. Um, our 100th episode was quite an undertaking. Chaos. I do feel like we were uh, very repeatedly like, that sucks. Oh, my God. My friend. God, uh, brutal. My friend Kat was like, um, you guys could have a drinking game every time you you say. I forget what the, the phrase was, but she said, you guys said this one phrase so much. <laughs> it was definitely brutal for me. Yeah. I said brutal so many times that listening to it, I was like, I'm kind of embarrassed how much I'm saying. Brutal or like here. we hate ourselves or like, you know. I think yours was, um, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're aware, dear We listeners. don't need to re- relitigate any of um, that. Wild. Uh, but that was so much fun. Uh, yeah. You can find the list of our top 100 mm-hmm. on Letterboxd. Um, it's alphabetical because we didn't feel really like uh, doing. You can't. They're not supposed to be ranked, rank to be quite yeah. honest. Yeah. It's just it 100 chaos. movies you need to watch. It was random. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yes. Um, So that'll do it. Yeah. Let's bring it home. Josh, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, people can find me on the internet on Twitter at Josh Fuller 33 Fuller is spelled with no E. You can also find me on both Instagram and letterboxd at Josh J Fuller. And where can people find you Willis? 
Uh, you can find me on the internet, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Letterbox at Willis Film. Uh, and if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Pixel Splitters. You can find us on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. You can find us on Letterbox at Pixel Splitters, where you can find all of our recommendations, including Nightcrawler and the Usual Suspects. And check us out on Pixelsplitters.com. Yes. To get all of your Pixel Splitters in one place. Yes. Um, there we go. There we go. 101. 101. We're done. Yeah. There palindrome. Is. Yes. <laughs> oh, I guess the only palindrome we'll have for 101 episodes. True. Oh, my God. Palindrome. Not that that means anything, but anyways. <laughs> and then we ended the podcast with palindromes. You could say, end of pod of end. Sure. Sure.